Welcome to Scream Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. for years as the burly dude from Coliseum, showcasing his gruff vocals and discordant guitars. Now he's the person behind the musical entity Photocrime. I didn't know about Ryan's internal struggles with body image, and part of his new musical endeavor is to work through these issues. Studies have found that body dissatisfaction in men can be up to 28%. Upward of 30 million Americans suffer from eating disorders. Ryan has been struggling with body image most of his life, resulting in binging and bouts of severe anxiety. I hate to use the term happy ending, but Ryan has found a way to be healthier than he has been in years. Positive role models are so important, but we should never strive to be perfect. We can only be the best that we can be. Human. Patterson. I'm 42-year-old, live in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a musician, graphic designer, artist, small business owner. I do the musical entity Photocrime. That's my main focus and drive, and I have a new record coming out, and maybe some of the things we discuss here will relate to that and certainly to, to music, which is how I know Jason and how I know most people in my life. We met a couple times, and I've got a piece of art that you commissioned for me. I want to say it was one of the first commissions you did. Yeah, that was really important to me and, like, stuck out. And I think it might be the only commission in that particular medium, which is, like, paint on wood that I've done. I mean, I've sold other pieces like that, but that one was was awesome. Yeah, I really, really appreciated that. The cool thing about it is that I sent you a long email in regards to what was happening in my personal life with uh, separation, family issues, you did it and it showed up and I couldn't believe, you know, from the sort of short description I gave you how close it was to the image in my mind. Cool. Well, that's great to hear. That rarely happens. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that is coming up in the materials for the photo crime album that's coming out is in regards to you being clean and healthy. Now, I don't exactly know what that means, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. I'm not sure if that's something that I've put in there. That might be like mentioned by my publicist or other people. Maybe it is in there and I just didn't quite interpret it the same way. But clean is not really the word. I mean, I've always, I don't use the word sober because I feel like that's for people who have dealt with addiction, but I've never been like a, a drinker or anything like that. I've always been like a pretty clean living person. 
But I mean, I guess I have had addiction issues, like particularly with food and, you know, maybe it's undiagnosed, but I've had binging issues and things like that. And I wouldn't say that I'm over that stuff because just like an addict, as I understand, like a drug or alcohol addict, you're kind of always an addict. So yeah, uh, those are still things that I deal with. But in the last three years, which exactly coincided with the beginning of photo crime and me kind of starting this new chapter in my life, I started making massive changes in my eating and exercise and health and lost about a hundred pounds or so, like about wow. a third of my body weight. So that's kind of the big change that, that I've gone through physically. I mean, there are all sorts of other life things that come and go and, and all that. So that's been my big change. It's not something that I would necessarily like want to capitalize on or like, you know, no. I wouldn't put it on like a sticker on a record or anything, but that's where I'm at and like what's gone on with me the last few years. You look great. I mean, you look really healthy. I think it's awesome that you're able to get to that point. You know, just feel, I'm assuming, more comfortable in, in your skin. The thing that I sometimes wonder with folks that are able to do that is how far and how close to the edge are you with slipping back into uh, eating disorder? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm there at any moment. I have almost no food in my house. If I have food, if I have access to food, I eat it. You know, I have a few ingredients and a few things like that, but if there's a bag of chips in my house, it's gone. People come to my house. I had like a dinner party at my house last night, and I'm always kind of embarrassed for people to open my fridge because it's practically empty. You know, there's like yeah. waters in there and things like that, and, and I get teased about it and stuff. It's just kind of how it is. I've never been able to fully get away from that, so I have to kind of work around it. So that's there. I mean, I have, haven't lately, but I have had dreams of seeing myself as I used to be. It's a really weird thing. I think I mentioned the first song on the record. It's called Invisible on the new photo crime record, and it kind of relates to all this, you know, as much as any song does. I mean, a lot of my songs are somewhat abstract. Each line might relate to something, but I don't generally spell things out extremely clearly. But Yeah. Can you give us the last two lines in the chorus? Because I thought they were quite profound. I used to be invisible. Now I hide myself from you. So there's a lot of things when you change yourself. There's this idea that for me, when I was big, I felt invisible. I felt like, I hate to use unseen, you know, it feels like kind of a catchword, but I felt completely unseen or too exposed, right? And that's mm -hmm. through all sorts of things. I do all these things that are very meaningful to me, very personal things, lots of references to things I love, lots of very pointed things in my life. And of course, like any musician or artist, you kind of pour yourself into it. And then you feel like no one gives a shit. I get a lot of comments and it's a very weird, fucked up feeling because essentially people are generally insulting how you used to look. Mm -hmm. saying you look better now and for me it's a, a mixture of I knew you thought I was fat <laughs> you know yeah, like, yeah. I knew you thought these things about me and then on the other hand well I really need this validation constantly people telling me I look good because I don't have that intrinsically inside of me it's really fucked up you know and then there's things like yeah just attention from women attention from all these different things with my previous band I blamed some of our lack of success on my appearance and I would go on tour and I would look around and think I'm the only overweight person on this tour. I'm the only overweight person that will be on this stage tonight. How many popular bands do you know 
with an overweight person. You know, at the time when Coliseum, my old band was really active, like Fucked Up was really big. And I don't know that dude, seems like a really nice guy. We have lots of mutual friends, but his thing was to kind of embrace it, be shirtless. But it also, I always feel like there's this kind of clown element. Philip Seymour Hoffman or Chris Farley, like they couldn't be leading romantic leads. They had to be tortured character actors or comedy. Often when you see bigger people, in, as front people of bands at least, they make it like a comedy kind of thing or they become a clown. Yeah, one person that didn't do that was Dee Boone from Minutemen. I mean, he, yeah, he was all sure. about putting himself out there, right? Absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, of course, an inspiration. Is that something that you associated with mental health? Um, I think so, yeah. I mean, I have a long history of trying to deal with that stuff. I remember going to therapy very young, and I don't honestly remember what it was for initially, but I remember as a kid going and being really untrusting of the process and not speaking out and you know, not, not feeling open. Because basically as a kid, it kind of felt like you were going and the, the therapist or doctor was going to just report essentially, maybe not specifically what you said, but they're basically reporting back to your parents. You know, at least in that context, that's how I felt. And then I did some more when I was in my like late teens, mid to late teens that my mom sent me to that I think was also about weight stuff. I was really uncomfortable. And there's there's a moment in my life when I was 10 or 11 and my brother and friends and I would always make these little home movies, you know, our own little like Star Wars. And then later on, we made lip sync videos to hair metal and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember seeing one when I was 10 or 11 and in my mind thinking in the image that I was <laughs> had a big butt, which is a really funny thing to say. I was a kid and I think back about it now and I see myself there and I was always a tall, pretty scrawny kid. And I was never overweight until my late teens when I was out of my parents' house. That was when I put on a lot of weight. So I see that I thought that my whole life, right, no matter what. So that's a mental health issue, right? There's emotion and, and, and insecurity and all that shit tied up with that that feeling of binging and feeling full and satiated and like having your mouth full or your stomach full, those are pretty clear things, like, you know, filling voids in your life. You mentioned feeling alienated, being the only person that was overweight at a punk show, being up on stage and looking around and not seeing a lot of folks that looked like you, that feeling of being different. Now, the punk scene is very welcoming and always has been, and you've been in bands for a long, long time. Uh, you've been a huge part of the Louisville, Kentucky punk scene. So I'm just wondering, although there was moments for you when you felt out of place, punk rock in some ways I think has really helped a lot of folks fit in. I do think that. I mean, I think that in terms of a lot of other things, I don't think that in terms of my weight and appearance. Music and punk gave me confidence. It was truly my first ever feeling of confidence and feeling good about myself or cool or accomplished was playing in a band. And then particularly when I put a guitar on in front of me, that was like a suit of armor. You know, that's like the S on Superman's chest or something, right? Yeah. Punk rock is a microcosm of the world. And the world, for whatever lip service they say, there are things that we are taught and socialized and our families and friends and everybody else says over and over and over and is ingrained in us and it sticks around to say that there's no body shaming or body issues in punk that would be like saying there's no nobody that's a rapist or sexual assaulter you know in punk yeah. i mean those things are there like it's there and while i think punk is accepting i still think yeah i don't know i can't say that punk made me feel any better every little bit of someone commenting like fat fuck on a message board 
I joined a band, the first band I ever toured in, and the previous bass player was really skinny. And I saw someone say or something that I ate him, you know, little things like that. It's like a drill, drill that hole into your brain. And they like plant that little fucking message in there and it bounces around like a pong ball, you know, for the rest of your life. And that was through punk, you know, that was through like a very DIY scene. So I think it's still there. I, you know, I mean, maybe it's better than the outside world, but there's still people picking on people and there's still the microcosm of the greater world out there. I think it's, yeah, like you said, naive to think that it's not happening. It's one of those things that's out there in the world and it's not going to not be there in the punk scene. Right. It's all there for better or worse. Everybody does better and tries overall. And, and, and maybe it's way better now than it was when I was coming up. You know, I don't know. Hopefully. I think people are more open about talking about these things. I mean, look at this podcast, right? It's right. there's there's way more openness around people having issues. You know, I go to parties and meet people that are willing to talk about these kinds of things, whereas maybe in the past it was kind of a hidden hush-hush deal. So yeah. I'm glad for that. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to cope if I couldn't talk to people about it. It's interesting. I mean, when, as you say that, I think about this, even to talk about this in this format, however many people listen, whether it's five or 5,000, it's uncomfortable for me. But on the other hand, um, I do think talking about this helps. And I think for me, I didn't feel like a lot of camaraderie and all the things that I've felt and dealt with. So it's twofold with me. And, I, and I've talked about this a little bit in other podcasts and I've posted on like personal outlets about my weight loss and things like that you're kind of craving validation you're you're wanting to be recognized and appreciated and you're wanting to feel good and put it out there and then on the other hand uh, you know I want people to know that how life-changing this can be and that all these things I'm talking to you about they aren't solved but the things that I've been through to make this change in my life have been massive not yeah. only for my physical health but for my mental health I'm really proud of anybody that can turn things around. And you mentioned being really healthy, healthiest that you've been in several years. And I just think that's amazing that people can make that turn. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I, it always seemed like out of my grasp and I see people do it and didn't think it was possible. And, it's, you know, sometimes I think back and I like, I think if I could go back to myself when I was 20 years old and just be like, dude, <laughs> the things this is going to do to your feelings about yourself and to your body, some of them can't be reversed. But, you know, people have to go through their own journey and stuff like that. And, and kind of like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, I suppose I've dealt with all sorts of mental health issues, right? Like I felt, I felt depressed. I felt vaguely suicidal at times in my life, particularly like in my teens and 20s. But for the most part, I've been able to kind of push through that on my own. And then in my mid-30s, I had like this massive just blanket of anxiety come down on top of me. On one hand, I kind of saw a parallel between my 20s, particularly my mid to late 20s. I was extremely depressed and sad. Okay, well, it's my 30s. And I see all of life as this very clear ebb and flow. I just see it as waves in an ocean. You just fucking ride it out as best you can. And I don't think that like every high point, you're going to have an immediate corresponding low point, but there will be highs and lows. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing I've learned and, and maybe taught myself, okay, today I'm freaking out. I might feel better in five minutes. I might feel better in five weeks. I might be feel better in five months, you know, so, so work through it. 
and I'm, I've never been a person that like just sits. I'm extremely proactive. My creative output speaks to that. In the same regard, I just won't let myself give in, you know? Uh, and so in my 30s, when this anxiety came on, I thought, okay, maybe this is a thing that every 10 years or so I'm going to have these kind of crashes. I think the anxiety thing was like an existential thing in that I've always had existential fears and a fear of death and fear of people I love dying but mainly a fear of my own death, uh, which is kind of weirdly narcissistic. I'm way more afraid of that than anything else. And yeah. Not because of pain, but just because I love life. Things in American society are shitty. There's lots of shootings, you know, places that I've always kind of loved and held sacred, like movie theaters or suddenly feel unsafe or whatever and didn't want to go to the movies. I didn't want to leave the house. I would have panic attacks while driving. I've always been kind of afraid of flying, and that just got way worse. So that I, I sought out help. I went on medication. I did self-hypnosis, meditation, everything. All these tried it all. Yeah, you know, and through all that, also was trying to kind of work through the, the eating thing because that was always kind of there too. So that's the thing is that I, I'm like 100% absolutely all about medication and absolutely opposed to anyone that shames people about that or that people feel embarrassed about it or that there's this kind of thing this I mean it's it's part of the human ego is that we want to not be reliant on anything else you're coasting along okay and then suddenly you want to go off your medication or you don't want to use the medication in the first place and that to me is a you know for at least from my perspective and once again not to shame anyone that feels the opposite way it's a downfall of the human ego because if we were on high blood pressure medication or if you were on HIV suppressant medication or things like that that are absolutes you know you see your high blood pressure at a dangerous level you take a medication that keeps you alive i don't understand why there's a push or shame or pressure to say okay your mental health is at a dangerous level or even an uncomfortable level this maintains it we want to push it away i don't support that idea you know when i needed medication it was there for me and it fucking made my life livable because I didn't want to leave the house. You know, I was becoming agoraphobic and I was afraid of everything and afraid everybody I knew was going to die. So I've had like a pretty massive existential change and mental health change. The next step after the medication was losing weight and exercising, which has been the biggest and best and most important change in my life. That's awesome. I'm really happy for you. It's interesting that you mentioned being afraid of death. I definitely go through that flashing thoughts of people in my life dying. And, you know, I'm not particularly terrified of it, but it definitely flashes through my mind. And it has to do with my anxiety, which is kind of an add-on to my bipolar. It is interesting, like the, the balance of fear and happiness. And I think a lot of people, I mean, everybody fears the unknown of death and everybody is wants to be alive and if they didn't want to be alive they wouldn't be i've had to try to come to an existential resolve and maybe that's like my age or whatever so i kind of feel as prepared as i could for that and in my own life i think i had to get to that point and, and a therapist did say like do you feel like you have unfinished business and with coliseum i felt like coliseum just never succeeded how i wanted it to and just never broke through and it was always a fucking struggle and when i stopped that I just was like, all right, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I do this for me, only for me. I make music for myself. I work and save money so that I can play music and not worry about the money that much. I'm able to still do it shockingly because I've never, you know, no record I've ever done has recouped. Yeah. I have a very small fan base. I do have a fan base. It's awesome. 
I'm nothing and no one is clamoring for me to make another record. I'm doing it for me. I don't want to see a review because I don't care what anybody thinks good or bad about it. I'm doing it to satisfy myself and to share with people that want to have it shared with them. And when I traded all that, like I have no hopes of success. I have no hopes of anything happening more than what is currently happening. It would be nice if it wasn't a struggle and if I drew more people or whatever, but that's just realistically not going to happen. So part of that makes me feel a little more at ease existentially because I don't feel like I have unfinished business. I feel like I can keep doing things forever or if they stop today, I've done so much. That cheesy inspirational quote of live every day like it's your last, I really try to do that. Tell people I that I appreciate them. I know I'm loved and appreciated by tons of people. I just do what I want to do all the time. So it's pretty fucking rad, you know, and that, and that helps me like with things like flights that I don't like flying around, but I think, all right, a week from yesterday, I got to fly to Mexico city and that's fucking awesome. I can't wait to get there. It's going to be great. You know, I don't like driving in the car out of town or being in the van out of town, you know, all the travel parts I don't really like, but along the way I get to stop and do something great or I get to spend time with people or I'm on the way to make you know, music or whatever. So all that makes that, more manageable and something I can understand a bit more. From what I can tell, photo crime is, it seems like you're really exposing yourself. You're putting yourself out there. So I'm wondering about the emotions around that. Was that a hard thing to do at first? I needed reinvention, right? Like I was so miserable after the last band, not with what we were doing, but just with feeling like it was never doing what it needed to do or, or what I hoped it would do. And, and I do think there were creative struggles. Like I just couldn't I was always unhappy with the way I was singing or something like that. And so I, I just knew I needed to completely clean the slate. I always wondered when Coliseum played shows, does this person like it? Does this person in this other band like us and like our music or is the audience like it? And just that feeling was a really terrible feeling. And obviously that's part of that insecurity and low self-esteem because I felt that physically and emotionally too. So I wanted that. I needed people to like it because... I needed them to like me. I wanted to start from scratch, you know, and there's just a lot of people that I really looked up to as like solo artists, whether it was Mark Lanigan or Sparkle Horse, or I'm really obsessed with the last Dum Dum Girls record and the person behind that band, she kind of reinvented herself as a new character, a new sound after the last Dum Dum Girls record. And I really appreciated that. And that was really inspiring to me. And, and I saw that people could do it. You don't have to be the same thing you've always been. So there were a lot of things like that challenge of wanting to, can I make a record all on my own? Can I make, write a whole fucking record without anybody else's input on the songwriting and make it and be happy with it? I'd never played music on stage alone. It was so fucking scary. I mean, I was terrified. Yeah. Of it. it was awesome. When I did it, it was this really direct connection to people. How did the transition between Coliseum into photocrime affect your eating disorder issues, the anxiety, the things that you talked about? Coliseum ended in fall of 2015. In 2016, the whole year, I worked on music, writing the first photocrime record. During that time, I was pretty out of control because I was really depressed about the end of Coliseum. It took me a solid six months to not just have a pit in my stomach about that. You know, And even though it was something that we all decided and, and I, more than anybody, instigated. It was really fucking hard. And through all that, there were other problems, like personal problems, like my you know, marriage was kind of crumbling. Through all of 2016, I was pretty out of control. I wasn't really exercising. I was just eating 
at the end of 2016, I, I don't remember what I weighed, but it was, you know, something in the like 320 pound range, the most I've ever weighed. And I just felt like I got to do something. My whole life, I've always said, I got to lose weight. You know, this is something I have to do before I die. I always thought like, I don't want to live my whole life feeling like this about myself and looking like this. Not that I look bad. I didn't want to look that way. I'm going to start having health problems. I just can't keep going like this, right? Like I can't eat a fucking pint of ice cream four days a week. So I hired a personal trainer and started spending a fuck ton of money having somebody train me. And at first I didn't really do much with it. I just went in and did these things, but it started turning and picking up steam slowly. After a while, I thought, well, I'm spending a lot of money on this. I'm going to actually go to the gym between this and I'm going to start eating better. All of 2017 was me doing that. And I went to a personal trainer, like really cheesy gym. And from there to a different gym, and they were kind of all about this kind of movement stuff. Like the dude wants to like climb trees and roll around and crab walk and shit like that. There was a dude there into weightlifting. He and I could kind of connect a little bit. Like he knew the Descendants uh, fat record stuff. And he kind of had been like a skateboarder a little bit. So like kind of could connect. He taught me like basic compound movement weightlifting stuff. And that was that was it. That was the, like the life changer, like the little bit of groundwork I'd done and going to the gym, having a trainer and starting to eat a little better. When I started that weightlifting shit, it was an immediate result. Weight just started dropping off fast. And then when I would go on tours, I would exercise a little bit, but I would eat better. And I would find that I'm like, oh, I'm still losing weight on tour. My metabolism is still up. The amount of exercise you get lifting gear and, and playing a show and stuff isn't really that much when I'm eating a fucking 7-Eleven Slurpee right after the show. But when I'm in better health and I'm eating better, that stuff actually has some impact. I train now with the dude that's an old punk and skater and tattoo guy. He has a little training thing in his garage and we do stuff a few days a week and then I do weightlifting on my own. All that is concurrent with photo crime and has made all that easier, made me feel like I can step out on stage. Like, you know, there are photo crime songs I sing with no guitar. I mean, basically, I just stand on stage and play a little keyboards and sing. And yeah. I don't know that I could have done that at a different point in my life. What you're doing is great. And I really am stoked for you because, as we know, physical health is so tied to mental health. Kudos to you for training and looking at, you know, how you're living your life and all the things that you've done. And I just Thanks. really want to commend you for that. Thank you. And one thing that I wanted to impart with this, and one of the reasons that I chose to do this versus to just keep to myself, because like I think it's really, <laughs> to talk about all this seems really cheesy, but I will say that the one thing that doctors never told me, because I don't think most of them know, is that they would say like, oh, exercise will be good when you are doing all these other steps. Like you should take medication and see us and read a book and, and get on the treadmill. But I don't think that anybody I ever spoke to understood just how much exercise corrects your brain. I'm not on any medication now. I have very, very little anxiety. I feel better every day about everything, not just how I look. Everything about my brain chemistry feels better when I exercise. And that's the thing. And I don't think that that is... I think so much of it is based on appearance and so much of it is based on people doing these goals or people wanting to have six packs or people wanting to lift the most weight or whatever. All that's fine, but because you can't see it, it's harder to promote that if you go out and exercise, I believe it can help every one of these things. I'm not saying it can help everything and I'm not saying it's magical, but I'm saying that it's extremely, extremely good in a way that I never comprehended and that I don't think is 
promoted as much like that's the thing i want to promote i feel like a cult member about it because it's so amazing how much this changed me in every single way mentally thanks for listening to the latest episode of screen therapy screen therapy is now airing on college and community radio stations they include my hometown radio station cgmp out of pal river radio humber from humber college in toronto ontario and radio waterloo CKMS from Waterloo, Ontario. If you like a certain radio station, hit them up and tell them about the podcast. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com slash screamtherapy, or you can email me directly at jasonshures at telus.net. That's J-A-S-O-N-S-C-H-R-E-U-R-S at telus.net. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well. I need this thing. If you don't go-